clean up. <laughs> Don't you love that we get to come here and we get to have fun? That life isn't as serious as we often think that it is or make it out to be. That doesn't mean life isn't serious, but it means is that we have the joy of the Holy Spirit in operation in our lives. And because we operate out of joy, we get to have fun, even in the midst of dark circumstances, in the midst of negative reports, in the midst of things that seemingly going contrary to what we believe God has showed us or told us, we still have joy. We still have joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. It's so good to be in the glory house this morning. I am kind of a little limpy. Just pray my strength um, in the Lord as I minister. A couple of Sundays ago, I was here in my, the, the week dub was here, my knee just did this whole thing. It took on a life and a mind of its own that was contrary to the mind of Christ. But we are bringing that thing back into subjection to the mind and heart of God. So just pray my strength. Um, so anyway, guess what? Aren't you guys happy to be here? I have some good news for y'all. I came to bring some good news. I mean, how many of y'all could use some good news this week today? Okay, good. Because this is some good news that's going to hopefully carry you until eternity. If you grab a hold of it and you let it sink in and you let it resonate. So if you want some good news, just raise your hand and just reach up and receive some good news this morning. All right, here is the good news. All is well in the kingdom. All is well in the kingdom. Somebody say that with me this morning. All is well in the kingdom. There are no problems in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no shortage in heaven. There's no backlog in heaven. All of the stuff that we're seeing on earth, it does not apply to heaven. All is well in the kingdom. And so if all is well in the kingdom, guess what that means for you? It means all is well with me. I have this phrase that I say all the time. And so it's kind of now become a code. So when certain people text me and they check in on me, they know that if I say it is well with my soul, they understand I'm speaking out of the relationship from heaven. That means what I'm looking at in front of me does not necessarily look like this, but I will not alter my confession other than what the truth is, and that is it is well with my soul. So if all is well with the kingdom, can you all say that this morning? It is well with my soul. Amen. God is great to us, right? He's so good. So I have this good news and about all being well in the kingdom, and I'm really excited to be able to share this with you this morning. The Lord has had me um, in a place of, of study and observation and just leaning into his heart and his wisdom. And don't you love when God invites us into this place where we get to lean in and we get to sit with him and we get to hear his heart and we get to hear his voice. And over the last um, so many weeks, he's, he's invited me to go deeper, and I'm sharing this with you because I think this is mindful and it's needful in the church. And, you know, you guys are all bright and you're super intelligent, and so most of you have probably already figured this out, and I'm just the last one on the train, but thank God I made it, right? 
And so as I'm sitting with this in this place with the Father, he's invited me. And how many of you were here when Carly preached a message not too long ago and she had the three chairs up? And we've seen, I believe, I forgot who we saw do it before, where it was, um, it was the, the chairs represented the Father, it represented Holy Spirit, and it represented Jesus. And there was just this space, but we were in the middle. We're in the middle of this triangulated conversation with the Godhead, right? And so he, I find myself sitting in this place again, and it's like, okay, what's going on? And he said, in this season, in this season, it's imperative that as believers, we find ourselves sitting in the middle of the Godhead. Now, that could mess with some of your theology, and that's okay, because you could take that up with Jesus or Pastor Wayne. And then Lee will back the three of the two of them up. So we'll still be in the middle of the Trinity. So as we're sitting there, and it's like it's important in this season, right? Because if we're only sitting with just God, or we're only sitting with Jesus, or we're only sitting with Holy Spirit, we're only getting one-third of what they have for us. And I have purpose in my heart that I don't want to miss a drop. I want all the goodness. So I'm enjoying the space and time that I have to sit in the middle of them, to sit in the middle of this triangulated conversation that says it is well with your spirit, that says I am provider, that says I am healer, that says I am comforter. So I'm constantly and perpetually being surrounded by the goodness of God, which is really the good news. And so this morning, I'm going to be coming to us, uh, to you this morning, primarily out of 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5. Because in the middle of what's going on in the world, and I love Jeff shared a little bit about this last week, is that sometimes I think we kind of forget that we are in spiritual warfare. But I also think that we don't often realize that spiritual warfare is not the spiritual warfare that we have made it out to be in our minds. <laughs> it looks, I think it looks a whole lot different through the lens of heaven than it does through the lens of man. So I want to start here, right? And this is out of the um, NASB 1995 because, you know... <laughs> I'm trying to get these brownie points for Lee. <laughs> but it says, and you all can see it, it's up here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, how many of you know that in this passage, the hour that Paul is talking about is us as believers? Okay. So, we do not war, and that we is the same as ours. So we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely per powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I want to read this part again. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And sometimes in other translation, it reads, for the tearing down of strongholds. And it goes on to say, and we, how many of you say we? That we that he's talking about is us, right? So we, 
Everybody say we. Are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. And another translation it says that we're pulling down or we're casting down imaginations and every high thing that raised itself against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive and bringing it to the obedience of Christ. And I want to talk about that for a second, because in this place of warfare, we really need to understand what it is that we're warring against. And Paul has told us that we're not warring against the flesh. The weapons that, and the weapons that we use in this warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. They're not natural weapons. And sometimes I think we attempt to fight a spiritual or a supernatural, which is really natural because we're a new creature. And so we've been made in his image. So the things that we've been considering calling supernatural should at this point be natural for us. It's supernatural for the world because they've never seen anything like it before. But for us, it should be natural because it is the display of the characteristics and the attributes of the Father whom we look just like. So if, it looks, if we look like Jesus, if we look like the Father, and it's only natural that they see, they do, we um, get to experience miracles, signs, and wonders which should be following behind us, then that's natural. It's no longer super. So we no longer have to contend, I believe, or war for the things that we are naturally be naturally producing. Amen? Okay. And so I want to bring some clarity to this, what it looks like to pull down vain imaginations and what it looks like to pull down, to tear down and destroy these things, right? Casting these things down. Because sometimes we don't know what it is. If we don't know what it is, then we don't know how to war against it. And it's important that we have an understanding of what these arguments. So in the scripture that says, in the translation that says, casting down vain imaginations, what those imaginations are arguments, they're theories, there's reasonings, or in other words, logic. There's some arrogance. It's every proud thing. It's presumptions. It's speculations. It's everything that the world presumes to know about God, but they don't have a knowledge of a God that they don't serve. And so it is incumbent upon us to begin to tear down those vain imaginations. And it's incumbent upon us to be aware of when those imaginations begin to set themselves against us. And the enemy comes to make war first against our minds. Because where the mind goes, the heart will follow. And such as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the enemy is very subtle. And there's one passage that says that it's the, what, how did they phrase that? Sophisticated arguments. Because the enemy is subtle. And so all of a sudden, these thoughts that are coming against the knowledge of God, I brought you some good news this morning. And what was the good news? The good news is what? All is what? All is well in the kingdom. So that means it is well with who? Come on now. So when the enemy comes in with these logics and sophisticated arguments that begin to cause people to panic and fear, 
we don't have to get into agreement with it. But he's subtle because it comes with just the thought. It's just the thought. It's the what if. Well, what if this happens? How many of you have ever had that happen this morning? And, you know, and let's just be honest, where you're going along your day and you just have this thought like, oh, my gosh, what if my job closes down again? Oh, my gosh, okay, so what happens if the world goes into And then all of a sudden we find ourselves starting to make these plans in our brain like, oh, God, then I won't be able to do this, and I just got caught up, and, and okay, this could happen, and then what if this happens? What if the doctor says this? And then, oh, my gosh, we find ourselves planning our funeral because the doctor told us that we have a polyp on our tonsil, or, you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, just like the phone rings, and we don't answer it because it's an unknown number and it's what if this happens and what if how many of you ever been led down that bunny trail see those are those sophisticated arguments that try to set itself up against the knowledge of our God that has declared openly that it is well in the kingdom and it is well with our soul right okay and so we want to begin today to demolish those arguments because it says in Romans 12 and 2 <laughs> And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And the world is being shaped and conformed by some things. It's actually being contorted and twisted, right? And so our job as believers is to not get in agreement with the contortionist. So that we can keep our thoughts in alignment with the thoughts of God, with the mind of Christ. And with the help of the Holy Spirit and his hope. So, but if we don't know that we're being conformed or contorted, it, that it's working in polar opposition to our transformation, it's easy to fall prey to logic and sophisticated arguments. But I want to make us aware today of how the enemy works, not so that we can study how the enemy works, but that we know how God works against the enemy. It says in Ephesians that I want to, I'm going to go there real quick because I want to bring the two of these together. Ephesians 6, 10 and 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So if we're fully dressed in armor. and We understand through Corinthians that we're, the, we're in this war, but the war is not of the flesh. And so then he tells us over here that we need to put on the full armor of God so that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes, the logic, the arguments, the arrogancy, the contortionists of the things of the world that's trying to transform us instead of us being transformed so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sound familiar to the first verse? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done so to start, stand firm. 
I, it's funny because I was thinking about armor, right? And I started looking this up and I'm like, man, if you have this full armor, you don't have a choice but to stand firm because it's so weighted down. You can't move. You can't run. You can't juke. You can't do. Oh, I better be careful because of my knee pop is all over. But, you know, it's like you have to stand firm. When we have on the full armor of God, it postures us in such a place that we can't turn quickly. We can't run. We can't. We have to stand firm. And when we are able to move, we can only move forward. <laughs> Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming darts of, of the enemy, and I love this because I was like, and this kind of optional and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints for who all the saints for just you. For your four and no more, all the saints. We, our, all. Paul's talking about the same. We are the we, we are the are, we are the all. So it's never just about us. But I want to put emphasis on this one right here on the 17th. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And that word take in the Greek, it means to receive, to embrace, to accept. And so when we take the helmet of salvation, I want you all to understand that that helmet of salvation is the key in which we operate under and being able to take every thought captive. When you think of a helmet, it's a form of protection. Look at football players, you know, they wear these helmets, I guess, a long time ago. Maybe they didn't, and so now they do. When you're in the batting cage as a batter, you have your batter's helmet on to protect your head. We want to protect what's inside of our head, right? When you play hockey, they, they wear these helmets, right, I guess, so you don't get hit with a puck. But, I, but then they hit each other with the stick, so I don't know. But. So a helmet is a form of protection, we have got to adjust our lives so that we're living under the protection of the helmet of salvation. When we understand the benefits of salvation and what all that entails, why would we want to live under any other thought process or any other caps? In salvation, when we receive salvation, we received provision we received healing. It was all of the things that the atonement provided for us, eternal life, right? There's hope, there's peace, there's joy, there's righteousness. All of these things that fit up under the helmet of salvation that we're called to operate and flow from. So the main thing right now, we've seen it for the past two, three, three years now at this point, 
the thing that is warring against the world like nobody's business, and I've said it before, and I'll say it until we stop seeing it, and I believe we say it until we stop seeing it. But the thing that continues to war against the world because it works is the spirit of fear, panic, and anxiety. They run together. It's always providing something for us to be fearful from. And what happens when we get in fear, we go from here to there and to and fro. We are not able to be still. And the reason why that's key to know is because the Lord has called us to be still and to know that he's God. But if the world is being contorted and going to and fro, we can be still, and when we're standing still, it gives them something to see. And right now, there's so much that's been happening, right? With, we, you know, the emphasis on mass shootings, you know, before it was COVID, and then it was this, and now, Lord help us, I just heard something about some monkey pox, and I'm like, well, I don't even know what that is, where did it come from, I don't know, but I'm not getting afraid of anything. I, I just refuse to engage in fear, because fear, it, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a what sound, what, mind, so that sound mind comes under the umbrella of the helmet of salvation. And what happens is that when we're trafficking in fear and the world is trafficking in fear, people are afraid to go places. We're afraid to send our kids to school because of what happened in Texas. My God, that was horrible. And we're afraid to go to the grocery store, the theater, because we never know is there going to be an insane person or somebody that's having a bad day that's coming in and all of this stuff. So there's all these, this fear that's contorting, that's trying to keep the world locked and bound. But if I'm operating under the helmet of salvation, then I have a different thought process. Then a stronghold of fear does not have place in my mind because I am saved, I am being saved, and will be saved. So if I'm operating and living under the liberty and the freedom that only salvation can bring because then salvation is hope and peace, then I can have hope when I send my kids to school. I can have hope when I go to the market. I can have hope everywhere that I go. And if I'm in hope, I'm in peace. And as believers, we are called to be peace what? Makers. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be known, regarded as, shown as, displayed as, counted as, attributed to the sons of God. But if the sons of God are sheltered in place in fear, and we are like a, a candle with a bushel with covering it, we're called to be lights on the hill. But if we're thinking out of a different thought process, rather than under the helmet of salvation, because this is what we know for true, for true, there's good news. How many of you are here are saved, blood washed, redeemed, born again, and you know it? Then we understand that this life is very temporal. It's only temporary. So if I was to leave this place, God forbid, and get in an accident or got shot to death, it's not the end, it's just the beginning.
And because I know in whom my hope lies, I know in whom my salvation is assured, I don't have to go out in fear. I go out in peace. And baby, when I show up in peace, peace invades every area that I'm in. And I bring peace and then people recognize peace and they go in the grocery store and they're saying, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. It's almost like you're afraid to go outside. And I'm like, I'm not afraid. You aren't? Why not? Because I know the Lord. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that he provides a protection. And I know that he's a covering. And I know that he's a healer. And I know that he's a deliverer. And I'm not afraid to go to the gas pump. And because it's like, God, gas is going up so much. And it's going up so high and all of this stuff. I'm standing at the gas pump and saying, God, I thank you. Because you're faithful and I have something to put gas in. God, I thank you that right now today that you're faithful and you're a provider every single day. Because my thoughts are being conformed to the image of Christ because in salvation is provision and in provision that means there's no lack and I can tell you this much to be true there is no lack in the body of Christ there is no lack in the body of Christ none you know why we ours all there's no lack in the body of Christ. God desires and longs to bless his children every single day, which is why we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, our provision, our healing, our encouragement, our strength, our bravery, whatever we need, he wants to provide it every day. But if we don't understand that and we're not walking under the thought process of I am in him and I am saved, I have my helmet of salvation on, we will be tempted to believe something different. We will be tempted to believe the arrogance and presumption that our God isn't enough and he doesn't keep his word. And just because he, this person didn't get healed, that that means he's not going to heal me. Just because that person lost their house, then that's going to happen to me. No, that's not how this works. God is always fighting for his children. But under the heaven of salvation, how we get to that place of changing and retraining and reframing our thoughts is when we understand we're under the heaven of salvation I know the one who saved me so it brings me to the place of worshiping him and as Sadie saying this morning and all I did was worship and all I did was bow down and all I did was stand still and he becomes your greatest defender I have a different defense attack now I have a different defense plan now all I do is worship and all I do is bow down and all I do is remember the God who is more than enough. Graham Cook said something so powerful. You all know me. You know I love Graham Cook. You know in my mind he's my best friend. Somebody just said it to me. <laughs> he is. Listen, by the time we get to heaven, he's going to say, you're that girl that kept saying we're best friends, Right? But he said, I want to bring it here. I think I highlighted it here where he talked about the more that we retrain our, it's like it's easy for our thoughts to wander. But the more that we train our thoughts to conform them to what God has said, the less likely they are to wander from his goodness and his truth. How do we train our thoughts? 
How do we train our thoughts? It means we have to get in the word. We have got to get in the word because things are being downloaded systematically into our brains. Every single day we're absorbing information. We are absorbing it at, oh gosh, historical rates of information is being downloaded through the internet, through the media, just through conversations. And it goes quickly, 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 quickly. And our brains scan from one thing to the other to the other. This, we have entire generations that don't know how to keep their minds stayed on Jesus. Because they don't know how to keep their minds stayed. Their minds are not trained because everything is quick, 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 quick. I remember, I think it was in 2002, and I was at a church, and I heard a woman of God, she was um, our pastor's wife, she was talking about her son in a show, and she noticed in between that he was constantly clicking, 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 and God said, stop him from doing that, and she's like, well, he's going through the commercials, she said, stop him from doing that, because what it's doing is training his mind to not be able to sit and pay attention. It's constantly click, 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 click. And so now we're living in a world of Instagram. We're living in a world of TikTok where everything is second, seven seconds. So every second, seconds, things are being downloaded. And we go from one video to the next. And we absorb these things in our brains as truth. So we've got to learn how to be still, to quiet our souls, to quiet our minds, to quiet our brains, to be able to bring them to a point of discipline so that we're sitting to absorb the word of God. Because if you read it in Ephesians, what it is saying here, and take the helmet, receive the helmet, accept it, welcome the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it's not just enough for us to be saved, although salvation is enough. But we have to partner salvation with the word because we have to have something to counter. I can't cut down any false narratives or false thoughts that I believe about the God by what I said. I can't run that by and say, well, you know, Pastor Wayne said, and I trust what Pastor Wayne says because Pastor Wayne has an established relationship with the Lord and he has studied this thing out and he knows it for true. But we have got to become a people that are like the Bereans where we begin to study the word of God out to make sure that these things that we know are true. So in a time when we can't reach Pastor Wayne. We have the word of God that we can pull from that can cut down and destroy and decimate every argument that's trying to rise up against the knowledge of our God. Because this is the era and the time that we live in where we must know the word of God. We have to learn how to be still in his presence to receive what he's saying to us. <laughs> there's a word, there's a Greek word, metanoia, which goes along with salvation. It means to repent, to rethink, to renew, to change your mind, to turn away from and to turn to the things of God. So we have to begin to decide and determine what it is that we need to rethink when it comes to the things of the Lord. We have to begin to decide what it is that we believe is the truth and the good news. Because the moment we get that and I grab a hold of that thought that says God isn't good, 
But because I'm under salvation and I have a different mindset, I no longer start looking with logic at everything in the world that tells me God isn't good. But because I've repented and I'm thinking from a new mindset, because how many of you know the word of God says we have the mind of Christ? So when we got saved, it was imputed to us. We have the mind of Christ, so that means we can think differently. We don't have to stay stuck in the same thought processes. We have an option to partner our mind with the things that the word has said and that God has said to us and God has said about us. So I rethink, which means I engage differently. My identity is no longer rooted in what the world has said and what they think about me because I don't think on those terms. I think and look and say, Papa, what do you say? Holy Spirit, what do you say? Jesus, what do you say? Because this is what we need to know is that before the foundation of the world was laid, God knew us. Before he laid a rock, a dust, a garden, he knew us. And when he was in the dirt creating Adam, we were in Adam too. God didn't just start thinking about you when he conceived, when you were conceived in your mom's womb. He, that wasn't the starting place. That wasn't the origin of his thoughts for you and his plans and will. It was way back before the foundations of the world was laid. So this is why we have to be in the middle of the triangulated conversation. God, what did you think about me when you were creating me? What were you thinking about me? How did you see me? What did you expect from my life? What did it look like through your lens, right? And then we get with Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He's only going to tell you the truth about what God has thought about you, the, what God created about you. And then we get with Jesus. And see, Jesus will only say what the Father says and do what the Father does. So we rely on that. And even when we get sidetracked by yet another faulty thought, when we turn to the Holy Spirit, whose job is to lead and guide us into all truth, he's going to lead us back to Jesus, who always leads us back to the Father so that our whole thought process now entangles with the triangulation of the conversations of heaven that says you are loved, you are worthy, you are valued, you're going to be healed, you will live and not die, you are the head and not the tail, you'll be above only and not beneath that I don't forsake my children, that I am a provider, that I am wisdom, that I am strategy, that I am hope, and that I am peace and I am eternal, I'm the Alpha and Omega, and there's nothing in between. So if you look to the right, I'm there. If you look to the left, I'm there. This is what he says about you. And I don't know where this monkey pox came from, but I know where monkeys came from. And I know that there's a God that created a monkey that can stop a pox. God is real and so is his goodness on the earth. And the moment we catch it, the moment we catch it and we begin to train our minds to think from that place, can you imagine what happens? Everywhere you show up, the mind of Christ is there with you. And if you're showing up in the mind of Christ, you can only release what's inside of you.
And the mind of Christ will always dictate, deliver hope. It will dictate and deliver peace, joy, wisdom. Right now, the world needs solutions. And God has created a solution that's called the sons and daughters of the king. But if we're entangled with fear, if we're bound by the same things the world are, then we can't lead them into freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. How many of you agree that the spirit of the Lord lives in you? And whom the son sets free is free indeed. So if you're free and freedom is in you, then what is the solution that you bring to the world? You're a freedom bringer. <laughs> One of the ways that we begin to practice retraining our mind is really to begin to concentrate on his goodness. In Psalms, the psalmist says, <laughs> I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will always be on my lips. So if we're blessing him at all time, to bless means to be spite, to speak highly of, to invoke goodness and to talk about their character. So if I'm always talking about the goodness of God, then I don't have any room in my conversation to talk about the wiles of the enemy. And I can only, th I can only say what I think. Which is why we have to keep our minds on Jesus. Because he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, fixed, situated, fascinated, in, 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 in what is ensnared by. You know when you're in love with someone and you just look at them and you can't even do your work anymore. Because all you're thinking about them and people are like, wait, wait, wait. And it's like, where'd you go? And it's like, oh no, I was just thinking about this. So, like, you know, when you, these girls that are young and women that used to be young, some of y'all old and doing it, um, you know, you practice changing your name and you're just sitting there writing a new last name over and over again and thinking about that because your mind is fixed on that one thing. And so then every time it's like, oh, did I tell y'all about? Uh, did, you, did you tell this? It's like, you know, that's what women do. Men are a little bit different. They know how to hold the secret. They just show up at the basketball game, and their game is a little bit off, and they like, man, what's wrong with you? No, no, I'm just like, you know, I got something on my mind. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, they're they not going to spill the goods. Girls be like, his name is John. He's 6'5". He lives on the street. But, you know, but our mind begins to be occupied with the thing. Can you imagine if we allow our minds to get occupied with the love of God? Can you imagine if we just let our minds become so fixed on God's goodness and everything that comes out of our being will be him? Because we will definitely say what we see and what we think. Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And sometimes in times like we're living in, it can be easy to forget his benefits. But he loads us up daily with benefits. Did y'all know that? The world tells it, the word tells us. He loads us up daily with benefits. What are those benefits? When we're sick, I want to know, God, what do you have for me today? What, what, what do you have? Oh, you have peace? Okay. 
Got some joy? Okay. All right, so that's what I'm fixing my mind on is the thing that you have for me. Every day he's giving us benefits, and it's not even like a job where you got to wait till November to re-enroll and then pray that the rates don't go up or then you have to get Obamacare or whatever care or who, you know, just like or by faith care because, you know, it's like, no. Every single day he loads us up with benefits that we can grab a hold of and reach, and we apply those benefits to our lives. Thessalonians says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want to put a pin on that, and I want you all to get that. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Right? Because Romans 12 and 2 says, where it says, and do not be conformed, contorted, twisted, changed, molded to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we prove it? He told us in Thessalonians. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When we begin to live from the place of gratitude and thanksgiving, it is the will of God for us. We get to walk out his will. God's will is for us to live from a place of thanksgiving, that we learn how to count it all joy. I mean, goodness, is it okay? Are we excited that gas is almost $6 a gallon? No, we're not excited about that. But what I'm excited about is that this is an opportunity for God to show himself faithful, that his benefits show up today, that his hand of provision shows up today, that it's an opportunity for him to do what only he can do. So my mind is fixed for looking at the good things that God has in store for me. My mind is looking at the good things that God said he will do for me, not just for me, but for us all. Because if he does it for me, I have a testimony. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I get excited when people share what God has done. I get excited when somebody says, God healed my mind regulated my body. God brought my prodigal son home. God restored relationship with me and my children or me and my family. I get excited when God would be, when we get to hear the testimonies of this, because it gives me something else for my mind to occupy. So if I was a mom and I had a child who was wandering astray, if you did it for her, you'll do it for me, because you're the same God and you said it's for all. So because my mind is no longer contorted, I don't look at those things as if, well, why, why hasn't it happened for me, but it happened for her? And why did they find $20 at the gas station? And I have to eat beans and rice. Glory to God, I got beans and rice at home. And I, because I'm old school, I know how to cook some beans and rice. And baby, look, if y'all don't know anything else about me, you need to know this. I know how to stretch a dollar so tight, George Washington looked like he had a facelift. So God, I thank you. If all I got is bean and rice, it's gonna taste like steak and, listen, steak and potatoes. I'm great. 
grateful for what you've done for me, God. I'm grateful. I don't look in the cabinet and say everything looks barren. I look at this thing and say, God, you're good and you provided for us today. And if you did it today, there's provision for tomorrow. God, I bless you because you're good. You're so good. You're so good. And we haven't sunk yet. We haven't lost yet. But the battle begins here. And when I can see that it's here, then I understand I'm not even warring against flesh and blood. I don't care if somebody called me an idiot on Facebook. They just don't know me. But you know what? We just went into battle. Oh, we went into war. Oh, I'm an idiot on Facebook. Okay, here, yeah, here we go. How about this? Okay, here we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless them. Bring them into right identity. Bring them into truth. God, cover them with your blood. God, save their family. Save their wife. God, change their mindset. Release hope. Release for. That's how we fight our battles. It's not flesh and blood. That's how we keep the victory. That's how we fight from the victory. I don't have to go. I heard you call me idiot on Facebook. Because you know what? You might be right. <laughs> and I'm the only one, because the idiot's the last one to know that they're the idiot. <laughs> but this is how we fight our battles. It's not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. People are the opportunity that we get to shine and that get to see Jesus through us. They... <laughs> And people are people, and those people belong to the Lord because of the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So these people belong to God, whether they receive him or not. And so who am I to go against them? I'm just going to get in agreement with the triangulated conversation because the same God that's having a triangulated conversation about me is the same Godhead that's having a triangulated conversation about them. But he's looking for somebody. He's seeking the earth to see who he can find faithful. Will you pray? for him? Will you pray for the judge? Will you pray for the doctors? Will you pray for the shooters? Will you pray? Will we pray? Will we pray? Will we pray? And when we pray, will we pray from the mind of Christ? He's faithful. He's faithful. And I'm a witness that everything will be all right. I have faced some stuff in my life and I'm living to tell you that he hasn't let me down yet. I was sharing with someone. They were struggling about God being good and God being real. And that anything could come out of what happened in Texas. And it's like, I'm sick of people saying, I'm praying. What do we know? We need to do something other than pray. But if you don't pray, you won't know what to do because out of prayer comes solutions. Prayer is what gives us the strategy because we can look through the lens of hope. Listen, in 1982, I was at Valley High School right here in Las Vegas in the last half of my senior year. And school shootings didn't just start. There was a young guy. Patrick Lazat, and I sat with next to Patrick in four out of six classes. And he would always say, you know, Latanya, you're like my only friend. And he was a little different. And I would watch, and he would just draw, like, 
guns and shooting and things on paper and look what I drew, look what I, I was like, wow, that's interesting. That's different. And I'll never forget the day that we went to school, we had a track meet, but I come from a praying family. And that morning we had prayer like we always do and we had extra prayer because it was track meet day. Father Jesus. And so my aunt was praying and she was praying like for protection for us to win races because I mean, that's what we do. We don't pray for our kids to lose. Um, and just, you know, praying for us. And we went to school that morning. We were down in, in, in the, um, at the bottom and I can't think of the quad thing. And we were going up and it was like, I, we, we went in early to take a test, me and a, another girl. We were going in early to take a test, my cousin's girlfriend. And we got delayed like three times going up the ramp to go to the classroom. It was like somebody stopped us. It was like these ridiculous delays. And we're like, we got to go. We got to get to class. We got to go to get to class. And by the time we made it to the top of the ramp, we could hear people screaming and running. He has a gun. And, you know, we're right at the classroom door. And we hear all the shooting going off. And Michael Gamage grabbed us and threw us in the bathroom, and we were sheltered in place in the bathroom until the shooting came out, and we, you know, everybody was like, all clear, all clear. And he had shot our teacher and shot a couple other kids. And it was in that moment that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that prayer changes things. Prayer works. And there was a horrible amount of children that lost their lives, but my God, if somebody hadn't have prayed that morning, my God, if somebody hadn't have been interceding, can you imagine what the numbers could have been like? But God is faithful, and I guarantee you that because of prayer and the sustaining love of God that people have went through the worst tragedy that they could imagine ever having gone through, they'll have a testimony years later. Because I'm here to tell you right now that because of God and the helmet of salvation, that my mind is straight, it's not bent, that my heart is pure, it's not full of bitterness, that I don't walk in fear, I don't have, I'm not trapped by all the things that the world tries to contort people with when they go through these things because of the love and grace of God and somebody had a mind to pray. Prayer changes everything when we know how to pray from the mind of Christ. We release hope. 2015, I go pick up my daughter from babysitting from a couple that used to um, be here, but they've transitioned to another city in the different ministry. And we wanted, it was late, and she wanted, Jared wanted to stop to get something to eat, and we stopped. And I had this overwhelming, who, Vicki, you could come up, had this overwhelming sense like, no, we have to leave. We can't be here. It's not safe right now. We got to go. We got to, and she's like, I'm hungry. They're supposed to be gone for two hours, and they were gone half the night into the morning. Like, no, we have to go. It's not safe. I didn't, it's just like I felt unsafe. And we left that gas station at the intersection. And I got to call my husband, woke, maybe I got to call my husband, woke me up. 
at 5 a.m., around 5 a.m., and said, Gabby and Mimi were killed. And I said, well, what, what, I'm sorry, what? He said, they were in a deadly car crash on Russell and Boulder Highway at the exact intersection in front of the exact gas station that we were at. And had I not been sensitive to the Spirit of God, we would have been there and saw it and witnessed. But because we know how to pray and we know how to listen to the voice of God and we know how to be moved by that thing, we missed it. And guess what? Because we operate out of the goodness of God in his mindset, we're not bitter and we're not angry. As a matter of fact, because of God's grace and his goodness, this is why we got to stand and share that there's a hope in his name is Jesus. And I will never forget the day when my daughter, when my sister said, we're not, I'm not, we can't pray for my girls because the girls are already gone and we know they're with Jesus, but we got to pray for this young man. He was 22, 23 years old at the time hit them at 130 something miles an hour head on they never saw him coming it was like getting hit with the rocket every bone in their body was broken we couldn't even identify them they wouldn't let us look they gave us their purses with their identification it was so tragic but to see my sister say we gotta pray for him to see my sister go to the courtroom because his own family couldn't show up because it was embarrassment it was shame in their culture and my sister stood and pled before for the judge, please don't take his life. Spare his life. He's young. And my heart began to cry out, God, what was going on with this young man that he was so broken? Because he was doing court the day after that morning from a previous DUI incident. And all I could think was, God, what's going on in this boy's life that at such a young age that this is his brokenness and he's looking to fill it and medicate it with something? If I didn't have the mind of Christ, if I didn't operate from a renewed mind, if I wasn't able to take every thought captive that said he deserves to die, he killed them, and he's this. No, 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 because that's not what God thinks about him. And I've not ceased to pray for this young man in prison. The judge honored her request and lessened the sentence. People of God, we can operate from a different mindset than the world operates in. We don't have to be conformed. We don't have to be contorted. The very next year when my husband died, and I'd seen everybody else be healed. When Papa Wayne had been dead and raised up, and we prayed, but yet my own husband was not. He's still the testimony that I look at and can declare, I don't care. God is a healer. My heart's not angry. My heart's not bitter. And I live to be a witness to other widows that God is good. And he's as good today as he was before the day your husband took his last breath. He's faithful. I look at, look at Al 
waited all of his life for a bride. And within a short period of time, she went home to be with the Lord. And he's still standing. And he's still greeting. And he's still teaching the word. And he's still encouraging. And he'll encourage any young person, keep waiting on the Lord. Keep waiting on the Lord. When we have the mind of Christ, all things become possible. And we can endure. We can walk through. We can go through, we can take on. Because the helmet of salvation, when you think of a helmet, it usually has a shield. And those Roman soldier shields, they got the big thing, look like a dust, um, um, you know, one of those push brooms on the top. But the way the little flaps come down like this is so there's no distraction. They can't see anything this. They can only see forward. They can only see forward. There's a reason we don't have eyes in the back of our head. We can only see forward. And if we're looking forward, he's in front of us. Right there, leading us, guiding us. Saying, come on, I want you to think about this in a brand new way. Think about this in a new way. Look at it through my lens and my perspective. I don't have any problems in heaven. I only have solutions. And when we choose to look at it through the lens of Christ... Through the mind of Christ, we get the solution that then brings hope to the world. We have a hope, and we're not called to just hold it to ourselves. But that hope comes from us parking ourselves under the helmet of salvation. Amen. Would you all stand with me this morning? Can we have the altar team come? Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. As believers, It's in him that we live and we move and we have our being. We live, which means we function, we operate out of the place, posture, and covering of salvation, the helmet of salvation. Our salvation is in him and him alone. There's nothing that the world can offer us that's better than what God has already provided through it for us through Jesus. This morning... We give you an opportunity. We just sometimes we just need to repent. We just need to re turn our thoughts away, shut it down from the things of this world, and just rethink the situation. We repent and turn our thoughts towards Jesus, the one who makes us whole, the one who's redeemed us. We turn our hearts to the Father who's known us before the foundations of the world were laid. We turn our hearts away from confusion and not knowing what move to take and which direction to go, and we turn it to Holy Spirit, who leads and guides us into all truth. This morning, let's just pray this together. 
Just as there's any area of your heart or your mind where we just need to rethink some things, where we need to re-engage with God, we just need to turn away. Sometimes we have to turn away from the news. Sometimes we got to turn away from the doctor's reports. I mean, it doesn't mean that what the doctor said isn't true, but there's a greater truth that we turn to. <laughs> Sometimes we got to turn our hearts from the things that are causing the most pain. It doesn't mean the pain is invalid, but there's a greater truth that there's a healer. There's a comforter that longs to show up in our most painful places. So Father, we just give you all of those cares. Every area that we've been attempting to war in, <laughs> but not using the proper weapons, God. Because we thought it was against flesh and blood. We thought it was against her. We thought it was against them. But Father, we take up the helmet of salvation and we apply it now, Father God, and we choose in this moment to repent, to turn our thoughts away from everything, every distraction that causes us to not focus on the reality of you, who you said you are and what you said you would do. Because you have a proven track record. And Father, as we turn our heads and our minds towards you, we turn our hearts towards you as well. And we say, Father, we thank you and we give you praise because you are good always and only. And because you are good, we have good news. There's a scripture that says that when we greet each other, we, we greet each other with hymns and songs and worship. And, and, and I love it because what that's saying is not that we have to go in front of each other like singing because some of us don't need to be singing in anywhere but the shower. But what it means is when I see you, I don't have a sad song. When I see you, I can say God is good. I might be going through some things right now, but that's just it. I'm going through. I'm not parking there. I'm not stopping. I'm believe the report of the Lord over my life that God has been faithful that God's a provider and you know what he did it last week so he'll do it this week too that God did you hear that God healed Karen did you hear that God healed Lori did you hear that God provided for Donna did you hear that God opened the door and made a way for Caleb and all of a sudden what happens is that we begin to rejoice together and everything that we were thinking that weren't in line with heaven begins to fall away. Jesus, you're faithful this morning. So we just bless you this morning for renewed minds. Thoughts being taken captive. Thoughts being replaced with your truth. God, we thank you that we are committed to retraining our minds because as we retrain our minds we then have the gift of the opportunity and privilege to reframe the world because we give them something different to see in Jesus name amen <laughs>